Hello, everyone. We are back in the Russian Doll Season 2 subway station. We haven't left. We've been staying here the whole time. My name is Ariel, and I am joined by my two co-conductors, as usual. Marissa, how's it going? Going great. Going good. With This is the pod within the pod within the pod. Yeah? Yeah. Totally makes sense. And uh, Grace, <laughs> how about you? How are you doing? Choo-choo. We're back. Yeah. Love a good chew. Uh, but we are not alone here in this subway station party at the end of the season because we thought we'd bring in, you know, one of the big guns uh, for our intellectual conversation. We are joined by Dr. Amanda. How are you? Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be aboard this train with <laughs> with the three of you. I've been uh, listening all along. Like I, I loved season one of this show. I loved season two. I loved listening to your thoughts. So it's just a delight to be here. And who knows where, where we'll be when the subway doors open and we hear Rosie O'Donnell's voice. <laughs> yeah, many, many. Many, many weeks ago, I saw a tweet. Uh, there was the trailer for season two, and you you retweeted and said, I'm just putting this out into the world that I would <laughs> podcast about this show. So that is how I did do that. Up here. It's, you put it, the energy out into the well, universe. Here you are. You put it out to the universe. And the New York City subway system has answered <laughs> your call as <laughs> as usual. Well, not as usual. Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> it comes through. Sometimes but better it than, waiting. Better than uh, what we have in Philadelphia, I'll say, in terms right. of reliability. <laughs> so I'll take it. If the yeah. MTA needs like a new rebranding manifestation transportation authority oh, totally oh, works i need the 10 yeah, if, rebecca, the 10%. if rebecca newman is involved that'll be what happens yeah. a little it's a little yeah, trash totally for, for trust me from there. experience we could use a little manifestation as far as making the trains work better so uh <laughs> You know, that, that would that would probably be uh, a good call. So, you know, I think everyone has heard uh, at length uh, our thoughts overall. The three of us love to just get your like overall takes, uh, Amanda, before we before we dive into some to some nitty gritty stuff. OK, great. Um, well, I'm I'm really, really excited to be here and talk about this because I feel like this is one of those rich shows that like lends itself to so much great discussion. Um, I loved season one of Russian doll. Like, I don't know if I saw any, like if I saw too much leading up to it, but I remember discovering like, Oh my gosh, there's a Natasha Leone like vehicle on Netflix. And like, I just watching it. And I think I probably binged it all pretty quickly and rewatched it again because I loved it so much. I thought it was like an almost perfect season of television. It was like super ambitious in its premise, um, but I thought that it completely nailed it. Um, and I really didn't think that I needed a season two. I didn't really know how it was going to be able to pull that magic trick out of its hat again, um, especially a show that was so high concept and relied on this time loop device that it really seemed to put like such a nice little bow on. I was like, how could they possibly go from there but if they're gonna give me a season two I'm gonna eat it up right like if I could just see Natasha Leone, uh you know on the screen uh being you know snarky and smoking cigarettes Ariel I know you like that and um I do love the way she does it <laughs> to be clear just the way that she does it <laughs> um so I was very intrigued and I thought and I was so impressed with what they did with season one that I was like definitely going to give it you know a huge like give it you know all the goodwill and see where it where it took us and I was actually like really impressed with what the show pulled off in season two I think if anything it was like 
even it was it was grappling with even sort of heavier existential concepts than season one, um, which I think, you know, was more challenging. But I was I was really impressed with the way that it managed that. I thought it was very clever the way it used a different sort of um, time manipulation mechanism like that was also sort of familiar to us from other films like you know we've talked about the back to the future stuff so I like that it that it that it did something different that was similarly high concept and used it in a different way um I think that in terms of like the emotional and existential topics that it was dealing with there's like a lot of um it it, it felt it felt like it was a um a very thoughtful and earnest investigation of themes that are probably important to Natasha Leone. And I think that they handled them like, you know, very um, with a lot of care. So I think that it was great, probably not as um, successful to me as season one was, which I like really have like no notes. Great job, everybody. <laughs> um, but I but I also think it was like, you know, a really great season of television with a lot to discuss. Yeah, I think that's that's a very very well put uh altogether kind of summary of it i you know and i i you know we finished potting about the whole season and then you know we had this in mind so i was like okay i'm just going to revisit my feelings how i feel about everything you know a little bit of time later uh and i basically feel the same um i think the like i keep comparing in my head to this is so awful but to um to to be clear what i'm going to name is nowhere near as like thematically rich as this thing. so i don't want to like offend anyone but oh, i'm doing the calculations what uh, area yeah this is, no no i think i think oh, it's gonna be kind of like field like it's like infinity war versus endgame oh. like i oh, think sure infinity war is like basically a perfect movie beat for beat like i know man i'm sorry it would have been uh beat for beat and then you get to endgame and it's like okay this is really important and like the highs are really, really high, but I'm comparing it to the thing you made right before. So like, it's hard for me to not see the perfection that season one was and not want some of that here. Um, but to your point, I think the, and I think this is more important to me personally, I'd love to hear what, what Grace and Marissa think. Um, like the fact that they got the emotional thematic stuff right matters to me more than, oh, that one plot thing or those couple of plot things, I wouldn't, you know, I could have preferred, you know, uh, some changes or a little more perfection as I use air quotes to say that. Um, that that's how I feel comparing the two seasons. And in light of the fact that we will probably, I mean, we have no, we haven't heard anything yet that we are definitely getting a third season, uh, but there has been talk about it. And I would be really interested to see how it, if that's going to be the end, which I hope it is uh, like how it all kind of comes together and if the third season kind of helps inform the second season in a way that happened to Mr. Robot to name another <laughs> show. Yeah, I uh did a full rewatch like right before yes, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um well, I wanted to experience it from like the binging the perspective mm -hmm. because we did have like stop and talk in between each one which kind of which I enjoyed because I didn't know what was coming next and I got to be able to like talk to people about it but at the same time I don't think that that's how the season was designed to be enjoyed like I think it was designed from start to finish I, I honestly think she looked at this like a movie wrote a movie and divided it into seven parts mm. and put specific beats at the end of each episode to get us into the like the story itself is it's a whole overarching thing um 
But I think, you know, there are still some questions in season two. Like, I don't know what the purpose of the bugs was other than to get, you know, what other than to get mm. Nora out into the box. Like, there, but again, at the end of season one, I didn't like, I understood the breaking of the mirrors, but I didn't really get the mirror, like the mirror breaking. So maybe in season three, there'll be some sort of thing about the bugs. Um, I just think it was super ambitious. I, I know I mentioned this once before, but it's basically like a, a course in quantum physics and psychology and history and all of these mm. things kind of tied into one. And I think where the value in that is just showing how everything is so connected, not only are people connected, but these themes are connected and being able to have conversations, integrating all of these themes, super ambitious. Like I, I mean, when I write a story, it's like, and then I walked down the street and I got to the end of the street <laughs> and I had to decide if I'm turning right or left. Like, it's not uh -huh. necessarily like, and, uh, you know, gravity pulled me from, you know, I'm not explaining mm -hmm. all of these things. Um, mm -hmm. So when I look at it, you know, with an artful lens, it also reminded me of an art house movie. Like you go to an art house movie, you're like, I don't know what that was, but it was great. You know what I mean? Like, like I think there's some elements of that in season two. Um, but when I look at season one and season two together as a whole, it's just, to me, it's a, it, as someone who has been, as I'm sure you can pick up on a healing from trauma, um, mm -hmm. it's just such a gift to be able to see, to see these, to see this portrayed in a story in a way that you can point to someone and say, I don't know how to explain what's going inside of me, but this lady does <laughs> and she's got she's got the the tools to be able to do that so overall do i think season one is better yeah because she also like we had no clue she had no clue like she's just putting it out there with no feedback mm -hmm. and season two definitely you know had its its ups and downs but overall i definitely think it's an up yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with the take that I think season one uh, w was a little bit cleaner and neater of a of a of a season, and probably overall, therefore, like a I think a, a better season of of television. But I think this was very very strong. I, I really worry about when shows uh, expand past their first season, especially when they're very like plot heavy or like mechanism heavy shows. That it feels often sometimes like I give Westworld as the best example of this, mm -hmm. where Westworld was a park where the robots are coming to life, and then past season two, spoiler for season two, that that moves well beyond the world of one singular park. And I I think like you know Westworld struggled a little bit with like the opening of the world, um, and Russian Doll, I think actually did open up the world a, a fair bit in sense of this is not two people who are going through this moment that nobody else can seem to understand they're the way that they're do like they are going through this thing alone but um they're experiencing such a, like the, the scope of the world is so much larger in season two and i actually think the thing that i will give credit for is that i love that the themes that they're dealing with were so much more about like the inner self, um, mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, season one, I think coming out of that, the themes are, you know, they are focused on like Alan and Nadia, but it's a lot about like, you know, be willing to help other people and be, you know, um, sort of these like themes and, and, and season two was sort of just like, yeah, you kind of just have to be okay. Like living in your, in the singular moment that you're in, it feels like the theme is much smaller in scope, even though the world is much larger in scope. Like we're going to like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Europe, you know, like we're going to Budapest, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the world expanded. And yet I, I, I think they did a very good job nailing sort of those, like the themes of, of the individual person. Um, and I also think that like, yeah, the theme work, the, the name of the show works last season. It works incredibly well in the, yeah, like really? being inside of someone mm -hmm. else, the whole, yeah. like, 
she's inside Nora and there's a baby she's inside you know like the baby is where it's she's like, like holding the baby like yeah. right below yeah. her face and you mm-hmm. see like the the little Nadia and the big Nadia well, like on yeah. the rewatch I even noticed that like the way that her hair is that her hair covers her shoulders oh. so she looks like a dot like she's oh, wow. she's got that rounded dot Russian doll per, like um, profile right like so, if you were to do like an outline yeah, her, yeah. yeah I was like oh my gosh yeah. not like whoa what are you doing yeah. oh, I never thought about her hair being like that for that reason it just has great I don't hair. know if it's intentional oh, it's just God. what I took from it yeah I'm gonna yeah. give them credit yeah, yeah. I mean, I <laughs> give them credit for that I think that um you know season one felt like it was very sort of universally tapping onto this like fear of death that is like the one constant mm-hmm. like all of us are know that we're facing this thing the state of being mm-hmm. human is being aware that you have this end right mm-hmm. and then this felt very personal like in a way that I think it also obviously is going to be relatable in a more universal way but it felt more personal about the character of Nadia like as an individual in her history with her family um and in ways that i actually think were sort of teed up in season one which is nice that this like Mm -hmm. was this this was well earned in terms of like we knew that she had this relationship with her mother we knew like the things that she already carried as guilt and you know regret about her mother um so i feel like it went like it 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 was a well-earned turn to take it more personally because it um you know it was set up by a lot of details that we got in season one and there was like room to explore those uh with a lot more depth as we saw in season two um and i've seen it sort of um in reviews like you know and i think even natasha leon has said this in interviews like season one was mm-hmm. all about nadia trying to figure out how to stop dying and then season two was about okay now you're not dying anymore how do you actually live and like in some ways mm-hmm. that's a trickier messier question yeah Yeah, and to to hear you say that just now i'm remembering in season one when ruth is like older ruth uh is talking to nadia and is talking to her about like i think it's the conversation where nadia is like confessing that she feels responsible for what happened to her mom and ruth is like you are you living though like are you choosing to live now you're and like to have it because i agree with you completely like nothing in season two felt like it was coming out of nowhere they were pulling on threads that they had left in season Mm -hmm. one and i think that makes it so effective because there's nothing that feels like a cheat there's nothing that feels like oh they're just doing that you know to kind of solve a you know a plot Mm -hmm. problem or whatever it all feels very grounded um and i love that i love that callback to that conversation now yeah as you say that i think if you look at season one as like survival like you're just trying to survive you're just trying to not die right like you're just trying to make it through to the end once you get out of survival mode as a human, and I think there are people that are kind of going through this now as a collective, as a whole, w- between the pandemic and everything, and burnout and all of that, it's very relatable to say, okay, I'm out of survival mode. <laughs> now what? <Right. laughs> like, what do I do now? How do I deal with this generational trauma? How do I deal with the things that make me me? And do I want those things to define me? Or do I choose a different a different me. Yeah, I've been reading um, a little bit about the uh, transgenerational transmission of trauma and epigenetic mechanisms yeah. and other like ways that trauma gets transmitted. Um, 
in families um and it's you know you did reading before the podcast that what a a splinter yeah or you just been doing it separately (laughs) just always just always yeah no i was like i was like i'm just gonna blow this off and like fly by the seat of my pants as you know Uh i did i did reading before the podcast because i can't not do that that's that's my that's my mo um and um yeah so there's a lot i mean first of all like one thing that i thought was really interesting and I, and I sort of recognize this when I saw the show is that a, a, most of the research that's been done on transgenerational transmission of trauma was done in the families of Holocaust survivors mm-hmm. because that was like one of these, you know, sort of large scale events that they noticed this phenomenon clinically that there were mm-hmm. people who like that there was that the children of the survivors and even the grandchildren of those survivors were like having experiences that they were like and 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 at some point the DSM actually changed its de- definition to say you don't have to be the person who experiences the trauma even just hearing about it can be enough to mm-hmm. cause um, post traumatic stress disorder so. Um, um, but to the point of what you were saying, and we can talk a little bit more about, like, I don't think all of the biological specifics are incredibly relevant, but one of the things like that, I, that one of the things you said, Marissa, that um, made me think about this is that like what PTSD does on a biological level to the person who, um, you know, who is, a, who has experienced the trauma is it changes your stress reactivity system and mm-hmm. so and that's um your um that's called the hpa access the uh, hypothalamic pituitary axis and um it's basically your body's response to trauma and it's 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 activating your fight or flight system and all of those things that you need when you're under an imminent threat and that's all good stuff like you need that system right. like you need that system because that's what's going to allow you to escape from harm that's what's going to allow you to fight back and if you can't do either of those things it's going to shut you down because that's the best thing that you can do like biologically in a survival perspective um that becomes a problem like what PTSD is is it's like the chronic elevation of that right. response so it's like instead of adaptively coming on and off it stays there. You always stay at that level where you're ready to respond to a crisis. Um, and what we, un- and there's a lot of mechanisms by which somebody can pass that on to their offspring. And the reason the, the evolutionary ad- adaptive value of that is like, if you are in a chronically threatening environment, you need to have that defense activated at all times. So it's a way that we're preparing future generations for dealing with the situation that the environment that they might be born into, but that becomes maladaptive. Well, first of all, it becomes maladaptive because humans just can't like exist happily at that level. Like it's a response that like, we just can't stay there all the time. Being chronically under threat is not good for us. Surprise, surprise. Uh But um, a lot of times our offspring are not born into our same environment, right? Like they're not um, going to experience that same set of circumstances. So being, you know, terrified by going to the grocery store is not going to be very adaptive for somebody who's not living in the same sort of constant threat environment as maybe future generations has so it's like that's the sort of question about shifting from survival mode is like in survival mode you are just trying to respond to a threat right but then Mm -hmm. the problem is if that threat goes away can you turn that off and exist at you know another level and that's I think what this what this season of television was dealing with 
Yeah. It's, it's incredible <laughs> stuff. Um, I mean, like, obviously the other, correct me if I'm wrong, Amanda, like the other implication being that like, you're going to deal with a certain kind of situation in a, in a, with a res- with a biological response that is somewhat, uh, in a, inappro- maybe not inappropriate is the wrong word, but like, um, uh, like elevated to perhaps a level that it shouldn't be because that's just how you're wired. Yeah. It's not serving you anymore, I guess. It's like, it's like, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work for me to like be under threat all this time. And like, it's, it's interesting. Like I was like, you know, this is a thought that I had sort of early in the pandemic. Like I was thinking Mm -hmm. about like, you know, cause like, I think it like, I, I don't know if you guys have this, but like weird things that like your grand your grandmother does or like that you've noticed. Like I had a grandmother who would like hide money in yep. band-aid boxes behind yep. the toilet or like weird things that you're just like, <laughs> why does Grammy do that? And I'm like, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm like, I'm like, what weird thing are my kids gonna be like, why does mom always <laughs> buy like 14 extra rolls of toilet paper? Like, or like what yeah. like what weird pandemic habits I was like going to be acquiring the future generations yeah. were gonna be like why does she do that? It's like, oh, she was alive during the. Such and such. <laughs> it's true though. Oh it's true. Or like, uh, like there's the whole conversation around like consent that has comes comes out of being the pandemic of like just telling people where have you been? Are you vaccinated? Are you th-? like all of this? And how is that going to impact the next generation in terms of the conversations and relationships that they have because of because of now? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of want to talk like about this sort of like uh the the you know passing on and 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 future generations sort of being in this like uh uh you know this fight or flight mode and i i i think i feel like one of the things about these shows like i'm sorry i sort of on one hand love a lot of these shows that are like yeah here's seven episodes they're half an hour this is great mm. i also do feel like we really felt the time crunch um this season specifically i think alan which we got some feedback yeah about, um alan will get into it but i also i do kind of wonder a little bit like um do they show like i mean one of the things with with alan as well is i feel like they sort of don't ever give us anything about his current um you know like 2022 alan and what he's going through and so to be able to map on like uh these like things that he's thinking about about being an overthinker about making you know having decision paralysis that like when he finally like gets resolution to those things i feel like it feels a little bit empty because he's like running back to 2022 but we don't nothing about his life and so i feel like we don't have that and i'm actually wondering as you were speaking about the same thing with nadia that like yeah this thing this like thing was like turned on like like is like um has been passed down this like trauma response and yet i'm not sure we really ever get enough like current day Nadia. like obviously the presence of season one is that she keeps like living through the same thing but in here we talked about how she has a little bit more autonomy to like be choosing when to go back and when to like when when to travel back and forth um in time but like i don't know does she i mean she obviously like struggles with how her childhood you know uh she wants to try and like fix that and Mm -hmm different childhood than she had before one that perhaps has less trauma in it but mm-hmm. then like epigenetic like i'm not sure we see anything like in present day that would show other than that she's gone through i mean she is also going through all these like you know she she's uh was stuck in a time was stuck in a time loop you know mm-hmm. like, yeah she's gone through like you know pretty severe like experiences that you would ex- you know i feel like in the present day it's not like I've, i i didn't see maybe senses of like how her past trauma, like intergenerational trauma was being passed down to maybe her specifically until she goes through and lives through a bunch. Like she's like literally living through it. I don't know. I right. I mean, I think, no, I think, I think it makes sense. And I think it, 
the show kind of presents her because to your point grace she has had like this uh, you know they have found a way to like personify these ideas right so like let's give you like a super uh almost sci-fi whatever story that's gonna kind of show you what it would literally be like to have an actual understanding the way you would want it right we're all dealing with things that we can't we weren't alive or we were very young when things happened with our parents, whatever. And all we can do is kind of get half truths and information and nature of memory is fleeting and all that. But at the end of the day, and this is something that I talk about like in therapy of like everything that I went through made me who I am. Mm -hmm. So if I had the opportunity to change it, would I? And like my answer for me taking my parents out of it for a second is like, no, because I'm so fearful. Like, Grace, you and I talk about, like, right now in pop culture, you know, everything, everywhere, all at once, all these things about, like, the multiverse turning red and, like, parents, you know, being able to talk to our parents when they're younger, all these things. And, like, it's really, it's really tempting, but it's also, like, scary to me of just, like, I could be all these versions of Ariel, but, like, would I still feel the same way and like myself if I was the, if I was a different one? Mm -hmm. And I just want to pose this thing that the show poses at the end, which is, like, when... Mm -hmm. uh nadia it's is talking to her mother and her mother asks her if you could choose your mother all over would you choose me again and that's like kind of where the show i mean i don't even remember if she answers or how she no, answers she says i didn't choose you the first time yeah <laughs> so yeah mm -hmm. so you know i just think that the quite even just the posing of the question especially from her mother is is the show like absolutely kind of wanting to grapple with that ultimate mm -hmm. question yeah, I've heard like Natasha Leone say that like the message of season two is that like the only way around is through, right? Like that mm -hmm. that Nadia is like trying to find this shortcut where I could like go back to the beginning and like find the gold and like raise right. baby Nadia and then all of these like obstacles and and challenges like won't be in my way. Like I won't have this anymore. But it's like there is no shortcut to it there is no counterfactual where she had a different mother and her mother was a different way and actually like I think that one of the things that the show does poignantly is she she sort of did have a different mother right she also had Ruth yeah. like she has her yeah. chosen family like right. there's there is like we do still have autonomy and we do still have agency even like in light of the things that have confined our pathways, like she found, you know, Maxine and Lizzie and she finds, um, you know, and she has this relationship with Ruth and like by focusing on what could have been, if not this, like she's actually ends up missing out on what she has and like not being with Ruth in those final days. So I think it's like that that's that that message of like, you know, could like, is there another in, is there another path through the multiverse that she could have taken. Um, I think that the message is like there, there, there is no perfect path, probably, right? There's probably ones that go a little bit differently, but you never know. And, you know, and anything that changes like jeopardizes the good things that she has and she does have good things. So like just be like Ruth says, um, I just sort of saw somebody reposted this scene. Um, so and I watched it, but you know, when she's in the 80s with young Ruth, mm -hmm. um, and and Ruthie has just sold her um pawned off her wedding ring or her engagement ring. And um Ruth says to not to to Nadia, it, who's who's Nora to her, you know, um, 
you know, I don't want to be morbid, but those are the promises of a dead man. And I'd rather be here in the present with you. Right. Like, so you have a present and Ruthie's like sort of telling her, like, I want to be in the present, be in the the present. Like, this is where you, you still have all those paths. Right. Like the thing behind you is one straight line, but it, if the future fans out in all yeah. these different directions. I have big season three theory going up, which is I think that so season one is very much about she keeps living kind of through the present. Right. So she keeps like time looping to this moment that and she she always resets Mm -hmm. there the present Uh, season two Mm -hmm. is very much about time traveling into the past. And so I do wonder if there's any direction that season three and they've talked about a three season arc potentially being planned um, that the future could be where we're where we end up baby. Uh, she has the baby and she has a baby and she oh, yeah, has you did to talk see about her having like a baby. Have, yes. well but then we could yes. see like the effect like maybe then that's where we see Grace, to your earlier point about going how does time travel affect a future human you know like maybe we'll see you know the the choices i think nadia looks at you know life as code right like can we go back and rewrite the code and or do a unit test and unit things like test. that? Yeah. And we've we've learned through season two that you know code's going to be the code. You're just going to have to go. You're going to have to go through it. You're going to have to live it. But what happens when you choose to write your own code, and how does that oh. impact your life? And and you have a baby again. I really think the baby is coming. <laughs> will she? Will she have to go to work? Because this season she famously was like, "Don't no, text me work. work." Like no I work. Have to do. <laughs> maybe in the future we'll go to the future where no one works. Probably. I love, I love how she. Part. I love how she just can't be bothered by work. It's like she gets a text. It. She's like, "Nah, not today, honey." Probably, <laughs> probably the most relatable thing to happen all season. Like in two seasons season. of the show, we've seen her at work exactly one time. What? She fixes the code <laughs> that another left. another she man. Left. She's like, "I gotta call." for my drug dealer i gotta take gotta go and that's that's the extent of work (laughs) to live in that world um um, but yeah i think that's a that's it's just it's just fascinating to consider but speaking of speaking of uh a feedback a little grace where we were speculating about season three Mm -hmm. um should we get into some yeah. some feedback from yeah um i mean i think people. we're we're very much we've been very nadia focused i think we mm-hmm. could center in on nadia so yeah taylor uh talks about thinking over the season i feel like the message of the season is about accepting vulnerability uncertainty and pain that is part of life nadia is trying too hard to control and fix things trying to change the past and she's being disconnected from the present whereas alan's approach is to withdraw and try to stay as safe as possible and avoid any risks yes respect yeah, I I love Alan as a character. I love Charlie Burnett's performance. Like I find him like so powerful and so compelling. And I loved him in season one. Like I do think my my biggest complaint with season two is like give us at least one other episode yeah. and like a little yeah. more Alan. Like I feel like it was like they they cut one episode <laughs> short from season one. Like it yeah. really felt like it needed another episode. Like let Alan's story breathe a little bit like you said like the ending was not as satisfying because like we didn't really spend enough time uh with him like I thought that he was such a brilliant foil for Nadia in season one like Nadia who's sort of like explosive and does it you know and and like devil may care and then we have Alan who's like so anxious and so buttoned up um It was really, and so I was trying to think in this season, like, how is his story a foil for hers? And this, like, in season two really just did feel, like, much more 
like deep dive on Nadia. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, there was not nearly as much room for that, but like, it's interesting that like, she knows a lot about her family's past. Like she knows about her mother. She knows about her grandmother. Like she knows about that, like that uh, Mm -hmm. transgenerational experience from her family. Um, But what we see about Alan is he didn't know almost anything about his grandmother until he had this experience. Um, And that I think is like interesting. Like if you think about both Nadia and Alan as being different, like American immigration stories from different eras. Like it's interesting to think about like what parts of his history are missing and like are not as well. Like, you know, we all know like when the gold train came up, it's like I, you know, I learned about the gold train. Like we all know these stories have become like so enshrined in like the Western version of history. But like Mm -hmm. the Alan's like life story and his like genealogy is not you know part of that western canon in that same way i think that's Mm -hmm. due to the fact that he's black right there's not like there's no yeah yeah like because of slavery because of how things happen there they don't have black people don't have the knowledge sometimes of their own family because of things that have happened that way and i think that this is like one of the ways and maybe if there's a season three i i would like to see us explore that i would like to see what it's like to to heal from that or like deal with that at least um yeah and his grandmother we learn and i thought that and i and i really did like what they did with this story i just didn't feel mm. like they gave it enough space because like his yeah. grandmother was like a Ghanese student who studied right. in eastern germany and you and he says this really quickly in like the chess match with nadia where she cheats mm. which <laughs> um, but he, he says that like eastern Germany like represented this like alternative to Western colonialism where African like immigrants could come and study. And like I did do a little bit of research on like the relationship between like the Iron Curtain countries and um, because it like because East and in, in East Berlin is like particularly fascinating because like you think about East and West Germany, like Germany was divided um, during like and the aftermath of World War Two. And then like in the middle of Eastern Germany is Berlin. And they also just cut Berlin in half. So you have this tiny island of the West, like in behind the, like in the Eastern Bloc. And like that was like, so to make his grandmother's story and there were like students who dug these tunnels, like that is like true to life that there were these students, like to have that be part of his story, I thought was really interesting. And like, you think about like the butterfly effect i mean the berlin wall is like a direct effect of world war ii so right. like there's a very real way that like natasha's story like or i'm sorry nadia's story is linked in this butterfly effect with what mm. where alan's grandmother ends up and then yeah. alan's grandmother ends up on the subway platform when she's being born so yeah. um i thought that there was a lot of richness there but like it's you know i i so so i thought that that there was a lot to do with like it seems like with the link it was like to I um one of you brought up like we didn't really understand how Alan's past was influencing him in the present in the same way that they've made that case for Nadia. Like how like what is he carrying with him? And it seemed like people had told him that he was like his grandmother, but he didn't really know right. very much about her. Um and like 
the healing part for him was like, I guess having somebody like just say to him, like, you're, you're my perfect boy, like, which is like, it's a very, like, it, it's a very beautiful moment. Like, but mm -hmm. I like, I just wanted to understand more about like Alan's relationship with his family and why this trip going back and forth was back was, was important for him because in season one, it really was clear how these two characters for two different reasons, like, needed to have this thing happen to them where they found mm -hmm. each other mm -hmm. and here this really seemed more like what nadia needed and like alan just like has the unfortunate like yeah, he's situation. like in the show so he yeah. gets to also time travel a little you know i, I yeah. yeah i i i just want something in 2020 you know like nadia has ruth and we know her friend group and you know all the stuff whereas i want alan to have you know, a reason to, he's like, you know, he's like, we shouldn't be changing the past. We should, you know, but he's still like choosing to go back in, in time and he's getting yeah. some comfort out of it. Like, what is he leaving in 2022 that is giving him comfort, which it does seem like he, there's ways in which like, he feels like it's all, it's all happened. So I don't have to, I'm not actually making decisions. I don't have decision mm -hmm. um, paralysis, which is very relatable. Um, but what are the decisions that he's having trouble with in the present time is it his job is it relationships his mustache whether it's his mustache <laughs> his fish his neighbor doesn't mm -hmm. like him like i just i just want a little bit more of like yeah what is if he's running from something and and finding safety in travel time traveling to the past what is he what is he running away from in some sense and then what is he running back to at the end of, uh, of the show somebody uh, i know and theorized that maybe um you know the episode number got cut because of covid uh restrictions and so maybe you know maybe some of alan's yeah, story maybe. was the, the the casualty um uh, of that but then amy also said yeah she wants to know more about his grandmother in east berlin so people are definitely echoing echoing the alan love i just there's so much intentionality in the show that it's hard for me to believe that the episode got cut because not that like it hasn't impacted the show in any way it may have right, impacted right. like how we feel like it's kind of scrunched but It'll be confirmed if there is a season three and there's only six episodes. Six and episodes, right, right. We keep, we keep going back to that. Yeah, I love We're the idea. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it gets it has to get smaller, right? Smaller. Uh, yeah. I love the idea that like, and maybe this is a little generous, but I felt like he, the show did a really good job of making him an observer of his history, you know, yeah. and, he's, but he's, and he's, you know, we're all talking about it. Like he says it to Nadi, we can't change anything. So he's like going to learn about it. But I do agree that like in order that they had the ending, like the Agnes moment at the end hits so well, it's perfect yeah. as well executed. You can tell it's been there from the beginning, but we, I, it could have landed so much harder had we gotten something like we don't, all we get from his mom is like, Oh, I'm making a date for you every two weeks. I was going to say, like, give me one more phone conversation yeah. with his mom. I feel like you could have gotten so much across, like, in seeing his relationship with his mom, maybe, or having him, like, ask other questions about his grandmother. Like, it just seemed like it needed a little bit more room to breathe in order for it to be as effective. Otherwise, it just feels like, oh, like, every time something weird happens to Nadia, something weird's got to happen to Alan, too. I think that the Alan and Agnes stuff a little bit is uh, we talked about this uh, in in one of the severance feedback the feedback show that I was on and we're like uh, when showrunners are when they do these mystery things you, you start to get like they're worried that people will figure it out so in some ways I almost feel like I think it caught I, I haven't seen anybody who was like watching an early episode and be like oh that's Agnes like that's I guess because we didn't mm. see her older right uh is it the same actor i think it's a different actress yeah right? no i think uh, it's, so i think it's the same, same actress, actress because i, I remember think. somebody 
I did see somewhere that somebody had clocked it. All right, but, someone um, is smart, and, mm-hmm. and the rest, none of us else. Not are. I. Yeah, not <laughs> I. And so, like, it works as like this, like, oh, that's cool. But like, I don't, you know, in some ways, I'm like, you know, especially if you're watching in a binge, like, we're sitting and like thinking about it every episode, and we didn't catch it. So I think they probably could have added a bit more in, and it would have worked. Um, there's some feedback again from Taylor talking about how Agnes's role in the season. Um, she's sort of like a, a I believe it's pronounced Karen or Charon Ch- figure, the Greek god who ferried souls mm. to the underworld. She guides Lenny across the Berlin Wall. Nora out of the train if she loses the gold Nadia into the world when she's present at her birth and Alan out of the void back into the present she's guiding people towards vulnerability and uncertainty she's also the one who said the lost and found is like the it's like the myth like El Dorado at the end Nadia does in fact find the gold in a mythical place though she can't take it with her without losing herself so yeah Agnes was great I think it was a great reveal but again there's Mm -hmm. there's one more and such a beautiful framing with that feedback from Taylor in terms of like ushering people in and out and the whole underground she was like always in the underground she always was building yeah. tunnels always doing something like that mm-hmm. again the multi-layers to the show and how you can like learn so much from seven episodes of television yeah yeah um no T- Taylor is wicked smart she always has amazing yeah. feedback um and it's interesting because I was thinking that like I so Agnes like had this this role in season two and like horse almost seemed to have more of that kind of role in season yeah. one but he seemed like more like nefarious in season mm-hmm. two yeah. like taunting her like are you gonna get on the train you're gonna have a seat you're gonna sit down are you yeah. waiting so, for your train i mean i participated in your one of your favorite activities which is uh going to the reddit uh Ooh, so okay. i went to the season two russian doll don't reddit. go to the survivor reddit right no no um and Ooh. there's some stuff in there but i think the one that was most interesting to me was somebody talking about um the underground being a representation of apologies if i'm pronouncing this incorrectly sheol am i pronouncing that but you know, I don't know, this um jewish representation of like a place where the spirit goes after death um lots of theories that we we do see horse above ground at the end of the season but like uh horse calls himself a shadow in episode yeah. season one um uh, is he real has he been dead the whole time uh are, are people a lot of theories that like are alan and nadia actually dead which i don't know if i love that interpretation uh once again i'm gonna reference like other podcasts amanda and i have done but um, amanda talks about on severance that like shows need to give us truth and i think if at the end of the show they're like they were dead the whole time I don't think that no, like you. sits well with me. Um, no. But yeah, there's this idea that like, uh, you know, everything that happens, you know, they go on the subway train is the thing that takes you know, they're underground. Um, yeah. And it's this place where spe- the spirit goes after, after death. Um, I, I also was wondering, I mean, if you want to chat about like, there's lots of, uh, you know, Jewish representation um, in the this, this show. And if you wanted to sort of speak uh, to that at all. Yeah. I mean, I, so I know that, um, and I think, like I, I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about the transgenerational trauma um, topic that, you know, N- Natasha Leone's grandparents are Holocaust survivors. And like um, I was, um, you know, this this uh, Russian doll sort of came out like right coincident with Passover or right after yeah. Passover. Mm-hmm. And part of the, um, you know, Seder ritual is like telling the stories of, of the Jews being enslaved in Egypt and being persecuted. And like in most modern Haggadahs, it also goes over like the other times that the Jewish people have been persecuted. So there's very much like embedded in the culture, there's lots of rituals that like serve to sort of remind, you know, 
modern day, you know, the Jews of the time that like our people have been under threat. So it's like, it's, it's like very, you know, like that I think is part of like the thing that that Snadia character is grappling with. Um, and, you know, the idea of sort of, um, you know, we hear this from her grandmother, like she gets the cougarans because like this is something like we can always pick this. We can always pick up this gold and take us take it with us. Um, you know, something came up about like, um, you know, the like going through the lots of the things that had been taken, like how the how um, mm. the gold train like was was, you know, was is, is something that I had heard about before but that like you know jewish families like they had all of their possessions taken and they were given like the and the you know the nazis did all of these kind of cruel things that made things look very like pro forma but really like you know like giving receipts or you know there's other kind of horrible stories about like acting like something was going to be kind of above boards and then um but it really just being you know a total obvious sham but um so but the um Jews, like even Jews that were not very wealthy, like tended to have like jewelry or tchotchkes or like artifacts in their home that did were of high value because Jews in most of Europe were prohibited from owning any land of any kind. So like they did like the only things that they had of value um, were their like their possessions. So there's like lots of stories about people like ingesting jewelry or like mm. trying to like find ways to hide the things that they had of mm. value and like people like and uh, and so when these things have like remained in families or have been recovered or passed down like they have like so much significance because it sort of like represents like this was something that we like held on to that we like didn't let them take from us um and you know the candlesticks really stood out to me when she's going through her family stuff because you know the candlesticks are an important part of the shabbat ritual like every friday Jew jewish families will light candles and so um that was something that would have been in every jewish home and it probably would have been like one of the more like valuable things that they had they would have like gotten gold candlesticks or something even if they were of um lesser means so um this idea of like the stuff like it's interesting like in the beginning and there have been like so much of this like you know indiana jones like the nazi gold like it, this was something that really mm -hmm. like has like captured imagination and like i thought that the fact that they put this in the front part of this story it like was you know because in addition to you know all of the emotional poignancy that we've talked about one of the things i do like about russian dolls is it sort of draws on these familiar pop culture tropes that we know about like the groundhog day mechanism and the back to the future mechanism and like the nazi gold is like a like an indiana jones adventure and they're like if i can just get the cougar hands like <laughs> you know so um but you know like in addition to that being like something that i think became a bit of a pop culture trope because it captured like imagination you know the bad guys with the shiny stuff like that you know that's very telegenic it, like it also serves this purpose of like you know this is something that um would mean a lot to her family and this idea of like getting it back is like you know kind of becomes the thing that represents like undoing the trauma like if we can keep this we can sort of undo what they did to our family and it's also safety too yeah right like mm -hmm. it's like a symbol of safety a symbol of security and um and how that aids in healing yeah, it was well. supposed to be, and it was like it's supposed to be like Nadia's college education, right? right? And like right. And even like the necklace, it's like, 
you can hold on to this, Nora, but this is for the baby. Like, this is for the generation, right. like, that doesn't have all this baggage. Like, we're, th we're doing this because there's going to be babies that represent mm -hmm. life and hope and, and opportunity for something different. So, like, give this to her so we can, like, we can start her off right. Humans are yeah. amazing. Like, just, like, thinking, like, always thinking forward, always thinking about the next generation, always thinking about, you know, here, this, oh, these it. kids aren't going to have to, like, <laughs> deal with this. And then, guess what? It's, sure. it's here there comes, with you anywhere. Nice. Here comes the train. Epigenetics is like, hold my beer. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I have something to say about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's but it's like the intention of the right, the present human, right? Like that's just uh -huh. so pure. And then yeah. it's like you, you can't, you can't outrun it. You're you, right. the only way out is through. Mm. And that's and that's Agnes too, right? It's like she's gonna go and end up in, like she's gonna move somewhere else to have opportunities, like for Alan, you know. But it's like this, this future, you know, yeah. this sort of future oriented, the next generation, um, you know, investing in the next generation, thinking. That's why your baby theory is so smart, Marissa. The baby, the baby. <laughs> Go yeah, baby. At, at, it'll be like it'll be like Muppet Babies, but with Russian oh, doll. As I've done on this podcast, I'll do I'll just go into personal share. I told myself that the only way that I could heal is to have like a baby to like Rip. to like not to stop to stop the cycle even so like i don't know why i convinced myself that stopping the cycle was having a baby like i have not done this yet this is like but it is a big motivator for my healing journey because it's like okay i can i can i can do something here i can move us to a different track i can let's, do some, somewhere un, else let's un -F it up yeah yeah and so i i mean i don't know we haven't seen any talk of nadia ha you know wanting to to be a parent and how that mixes into the fold, but it'd be interesting. But there could be John another season as well. But yeah. John, jump. there was a text from John I saw right. on the rewatch, but that was John it. was at work. John was outside her office. <laughs> like, what, are you here? I came to get you. But you said, John was at the work at like temple years. Yeah. with the rabbi, hanging out no, with the yeah. rabbi. And John was on the severed floor. That's what we know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh -oh. yeah looking way better with that hair. Yeah. Actually, um, while we're talking severance, the yeah. more feedback from Taylor, mm. the hot air balloon guy who's uh, when all the timelines are converging, when time is collapsing, uh, that mm. is the same actor who plays Kiri. And he flies. And he flies. He does fly. He does fly. He flies. It's amazing. Shout out to our favorite emoji. <laughs> Praise Kiri. Yeah. Praise Kiri. I must yeah. away. I, I, I still <laughs> maintain does. that image of the hot air balloon in Astor Place in New York City is like, can we do this, please? Like, <laughs> can someone make this happen? I want this now. Like, it looks Be the Kira Egan, Ariel. Go. Stop. Yeah, make it happen. Make oh it happen. God. I am the Egan. Yes, it's <laughs> you. It's the the and, swings, and yeah. now Ariel is going to put a uh, hot air balloon in Astro. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, I did just walk by. I sent the picture to Grace and Marissa. I walked by the bar. I happened to like bike by the bar that, oh. like, all, you know, the one with the red door that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Nadia is always walking by and potentially dying in front of. Um, so that was fun. So there was that. <laughs> Uh, you just gotta find the sixty six twenty two train. Yep, mm -hmm. then... right. That's true. Right, you did yeah. give me that mission. I haven't <laughs> been I don't think as. I doubt it's real. Like I doubt it's a train number that I mean, isn't real. I've seen, like... I've seen a lot of numbers. <laughs> no, 
I have no reason to believe that there are like retired numbers. Like retired numbers. Kind of like, you know, like when the trade does a really good job, they're like, right, this trade had the best season. We're retiring that number. The banners and the rafters. Oh, yeah. Just like they're raising the train like up like yes. the actual train car. All I know is like that Nadia or not Nadia, Natasha had to take mm. a like a class, like an MTA filming class, like things you can and cannot do. In oh, the wow. so I'm assuming that if they had a class, they probably have like numbers you can and cannot wow. use. And but you can you use Rosie it, O'Donnell's voice. Yeah. I was just going to say, hold on, before we get to Rosie O'Donnell. So wait, Marissa, it was like a class where like, as far as like representation of the train or more just like I think what's it's like both. physically possible. Okay. Like and safety. Like, right, oh, right, you okay, want to okay, walk okay. the tracks? Uh right. this is when you oh. can and cannot do it and where to, you know, that whole yes. okay, okay, part cool, of it. Cool, cool. I see, I see. Yeah, I've I've dropped jewelry. I didn't drop jewelry. My friend maybe it was her crew grant. My friend dropped <laughs> Oh my god, this is all coming together. My friend <laughs> dropped a I think it was an earring. Caitlin, you'll have to tell me what you dropped. Um <laughs> something, something gold apparently was real. I chose to believe it. Oh my god. And she was like, Oh my god. And it was like right there. I am like a taller person. So like I did go and retrieve it. Ooh. Um but we got you. I wouldn't we recommend got you. it. This, yeah. was this was I've like been a long time. I got you. I knew it. This isn't an ultimate universe. You're just trying to for the MTA. The whole Toronto thing has been doing so well. Grace just took off her mask. She's like a different person. It's Agnes. She's working for the MTA. I got you. Book incredible. Yeah, we have to talk about Rosie O'Donnell, like. You know, apparently um, they I believe they met on uh, like Natasha Leone and Rosie O'Donnell met on uh, in a play that they filmed probably mm. in New York or a play that they were in. Excuse me, not film. That's a play, not a movie. Good job. Um, thank you. And, uh, you know, obvious New York connotation. That part makes sense to me. Um, could they have done more? Could they have done more with the Rosie voice? Could we have elevated it? Like, forget Alan. What can we do with Rosie's voice? <laughs> I feel like you, I feel like you don't want to overdo it. Yeah, I like, right, like right. I feel like it's enough to just know, like that's what it is. Like that's. But if they if they pushed it too much, like yeah. if she started doing like the Ron Howard Arrested Development thing, it's like the train was not. In fact, you're <laughs> probably you're probably wondering how I got on this train. She was not. In fact, in 1982. <laughs> I mean, there was a thing. I. I can't remember if I brought this up on a previous pod, but there was a, there, they do it every once in a while. There will be like this kind of uh, almost like a blitz where they like record all these quote unquote celebrities, like New York celebrities, like uh, Rosie Perez. I remember, I think Natasha Leon did one, but that just me might be my memory, like failing because of the show. Um, you know, Pat Kiernan, who's like a newscaster. That's really popular. Uh, I'm trying to remember someone that you all would know. It doesn't matter, but like they record, um, like, hey, for your safety, you should not stand near the track, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, like the mm -hmm. stuff on the tracks. And but they say their name, it's not like this. It's like she would have said, Hey, I'm Rosie O'Donnell, stand clear the closing <laughs> doors. And it's such a fun little thing where you're like, Wow, I am paying attention more because it's yeah. Rosie Perez. <laughs> you know, I would trust Rosie to tell me when the trains come, come and stop. It was a good casting choice. All Rosies, really. Yeah. I Rosies. Uh, apparently, she recorded all of her lines via voice memo. That's awesome. Uh, because it was a COVID production. So she had no need for her to come on set. She just recorded them on her phone. Yeah, literally, so literally phoning it in. <laughs> literally phoning it in, yes. And two, it's like you can barely understand those, you know, right. those announcements anyway. So the fact that she recorded on her phone probably makes it more realistic 
to like it what it would sound like you don't want like a professional setup for you know and they have to like add the fade to it or whatever mm-hmm. um so you probably didn't even get up out of bed good for you rosie go, <laughs> go rosie get, get that cash i, get that I cash. do feel like some, i mean i'm normally like on the streetcar i don't take the subway a lot in in t- toronto but i do feel like uh, i'm i'm a big headphones user and the the advent of like a noise canceling headphones i do think they're going to need to like figure out how to get messages to people who have noise canceling oh. because i feel like often like it's like i'm like sitting listening and then i realize that like people are panicking yeah <laughs> getting off the, yeah, you- i'm like wait what and i'm taking <laughs> out my headphones i don't know what happened and then the voice is like then it's when it's when it's when it's when yeah can we do like a rehash like what did he say what did that person say i mean like that's a huge accessibility point so they should fix it anyway but like on the l in chicago there's like a screen that you can look at yeah the l Mm -hmm. in chicago you can like Mm -hmm. see like there's a screen that'll Mm -hmm. say like next stop but i don't know like emergency wise how often right. it you need to days. have like the loud flashing lights like to yeah. go along with the announcement like this is important yeah. uh because yeah i've had that same situation grace where you're just like wait <laughs> noise people are making a face <laughs> everyone everyone else is reacting to Do something that i don't know about don't yeah know. yeah am i gonna be late <laughs> it's the survival mode kicking in keeping you safe you thank you, thank you hpa access yes. yeah. yeah that's um, true one of the things, Rissa, you shared this in the Discord. I thought this would be very fun. Is uh, there's a scene where she goes to the library and all these people in front of her asking all these questions. And you found a tweet from somebody who has questions posed to the New York Public Library pre-internet. So this oh. is what did seem to be a very common thing of people going. So we have a note from November 1948. Can I get a book telling me how to be a mistress of ceremonies at a musical orgy? That's from <laughs> that's from November 1948. So Wait, ceremonies at a ceremonies waffle, at a waffle, mistress at a waffle of, party? Mistress of ceremonies at a waffle, waffle party. party. Yeah. Oh wow. Interesting. It was the IHOP of its time. Right. <laughs> Here's one from June 15th, 1967. What is the natural enemy of a duck? Librarian, what do you mean? Well, a whole flight of them landed in my pool and I have waved a broom at them, but all they do is look at me and quack. I thought I could introduce the natural enemy into the pool area. Sign Whoa. Yeah. Uh, does the female human being belong to the mammal class? Does the female <laughs> human being belong to the mammal class? Oh, and my I love, Lord. And I love that <laughs> it's just, well, I guess they all, uh, the other ones too, but I was going to say, like, this one is, this one doesn't have an answer. So, like, the, I think yeah, it was like, whatever. Itself, like, but how do we think that did before? They, yeah. That question is ridiculous and we'll get to it. But, like, There's the, one, one, yeah. The one where like the librarian wrote back, like, how do you think yes. that worked? Like, it's like a it, card and a file, person, and then they like, like, right. like I'll get yes. it. I'll, I'll look that up and I'll get right back right, to you. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think I think if like you know was writing the question and then like was like, oh, I'm not going to be here to do the re- like we have James to do the re- I better like write yeah, what do you true. mean and then yeah, okay, up. yeah, that yeah, makes yeah, more yeah, sense. Yeah, makes so I was like, how do you how do you yeah. make that that communication happen? Yeah. But I love that I love that the librarian wrote, what do you mean? What do you mean? And then we have the last one from November 1976. Why do 18th century English paintings have so many squirrels in them and how did they tame them so that they wouldn't bite the painter? <laughs> that is actually a really great question. But are the female squirrels mammals? <laughs> squirrels, yes. Human beings, I'll get back to you. <laughs> female uh, humans, no. Do you guys remember Yahoo Answers or Yahoo yeah. Question? Like, yes. this is yeah. very, like, it's always been here. Like, the uh-huh. humans have always had these questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can just access it whenever. Yes. I want to see more of these. I'm sure there are there's... more. Do you want more? Yeah. <laughs> Any statistics on the lifespan of the abandoned woman? 
Is it the same woman who's not a mammal? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. What does it mean when you dream you're being chased by an elephant? Where can I find some something Ooh. on the comical aspects of pregnancy? And... <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Is that just for oh, like I need so to show good. something funny to my wife? Like, what? <laughs> wow! I feel like that's a, that's a stand-up comedian being like, like an aspiring stand-up comedian. You know? <laughs> like, oh, like, I'll just ask the librarian for some good jokes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think what happened was the comedian got on stage and was like, "What is the deal with pregnancy?" And then realized they had no idea. And then they were like, <laughs> like "Looking to, through like, the library, of, like, I need to yeah. comedy, but funny, you know? See, <laughs> comedy takes work. There's research involved. Mm -hmm. right. That's mm -hmm. right. Work it." <laughs> Anyway, uh, so yeah, the the strange questions at the uh, at the library. Uh, it's true. Of the abandoned woman. Like I can't get over that. The the abandoned woman. <laughs> she she is all of us. Yes, yes, all, yes I feel her deeply. <laughs> <laughs> so silly. I love these. I I I say it bring must, it back. It I must say, be such a hoot to be a librarian. I, well, I can ask Todd or yeah. yeah. I do think. I wonder how much they still get questions like that right because you know obviously because the internet like things are a little mm -hmm. different but i would love to like yeah. go and not have to do the research myself like it would literally take me less time to do the research myself than walk mm -hmm. to the library but if i had but, a library that i trusted a librarian rather yeah sometimes you just want to chat with the librarian too yeah. like it makes it more fun especially and if she's, she's have... female ask her what kind of species she is <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's oh, class species. Class. I knew it was class. Jenna's species. I was like, I'm just gonna roll the dice. Yeah. It's one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just. I just was glad that we were considered in the species. That yeah. hence make. That's why. That's true. Yeah. Right. That's why. So, yeah. Right. Not so, complete disrespect. Yeah. Only no. Yeah. Just... Species, but are we mammals? Yeah. Um, so there, I mean, there were other like really fun 1980s relics. Mm. Like, did anybody, so am I the only person who's like close enough to New York and old enough to have remembered Crazy Eddie? Did I am old enough, but do not know. You, so I think, I think, <laughs> I think it's like just for like a vet, like it's just like Crazy Eddie's was an electronic store in the 70s and 80s, like that was in New York and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I totally remember these ads and like, and she tells it that like he goes away for like embezzlement or something crazy. But right, it was right, like, right. it was like Crazy Eddie was in these local TV ads and it's uh -huh. like, I'm crazy Eddie and my prices are insane and it's just like the, the yeah. show went for like such a specific reference mm -hmm. that you like literally have to be me to get I was like you, right, you right, right. that's very very bold I don't remember the place but I do remember people talking about it like mm -hmm. I remember it coming up in conversation like it's that like it, it's hitting that part of my brain where it's like yes absolutely that's what Debbie said that yeah. one time um, I... she's older no shade to debbie uh so she it makes is sense mammal? She were... <laughs> as far as i can tell she is mammalian yes she is mammalian <laughs> um well, but to that point like i think it's just like so great that it was crazy eddie's like it was a real thing but like yeah. it had the word crazy in it yeah. i thought mm -hmm. that was cool yeah, no. but he will not. He will not refer to himself as crazy. He's just insane. The price. He's insane. No, oh, yeah. He's crazy. Um, the prices are insane. He's crazy. The prices are insane. <laughs> yeah, I love. You know, we talk. There was like chat on the Discord about like uh, 
Curtis Lewa and the, mm-hmm. the obviously not as deep of a cut um, and the Guardian Angels and all that. Mm-hmm. He's still around. He's still a talking head. On I, I mentioned Pat Kiernan earlier from New York One. He's a he's a um, a newscaster and uh, Curtis Lewa does or he used to do up until a couple of years ago. Used to do like one of those like one talking head on this side has thirty seconds and the other talking head on this side has thirty seconds and they're mm. gonna chat and he does obnoxious stuff like bring like takes out like a teacup set like and just oh starts drinking tea like super yeah. super obnoxious Whoa, so obnoxious yeah. <laughs> he didn't even put his pinky, pinky up. up no yeah i'm glad i've revealed myself to be a true new yorker and now i can uh, now i can relate to you about all of these like yeah you know the guy you just mentioned i definitely know him yeah mta grace mta grace that's your brand you just need a little red beret yep great do we want to speculate? I mean, I, I threw out my my season mm-hmm. three speculation. Marissa, you've talked about yep. that there's a baby, there's a baby on the way. Um, do we want to do you want to do our season three speculation? Adam in the Discord saying like all for season three if the writers can come up with a good concept. Maybe Nadia's facing her own mortality. Um, searching for a movie that would loosely mirror it. So I said the movie before I fall. I have not heard of this one. It's another that. groundhog type movie, groundhog day type movie mm-hmm. where the protagonist faces their own mortality. Uh, the tone would be more comedic um, and looking to wrap up the series. Alternatively, jumping into the future and back, discovering that she has a daughter and trying to make better parenting decisions as she's jumping through yeah. time. So, yeah, parenting theme seems really big. The other device I'm thinking is like straight up multiverse, where like That's there's different like yeah. versions Ooh. of the present day. Maybe in one version, like she had a kid, like maybe in one version, like she Ooh. ends up being institutionalized, like her mom, like just thinking about mm-hmm. like that kind of device of like exploring yeah. like this question of, you know, how to be in the present. Um, Cause it definitely seems like the show kind of like picks one of these time manipulation, like devices that have, that we're familiar with and, and kind of uses that as the metaphor. Make it make so much sense if you're going to, you know, again, this idea of like past, present and future that the idea is like infinite versions of herself. I mean, I, mm-hmm. a lot of shows are doing, right, doing right, this right. kind of shows and movies, um, but I think that does make a lot of sense. And the thing I'll give them credit for is like, you know, these both seasons are like certainly doing stuff that have been done before, but manages to put their own, her own unique spin on. It. And again, I think it's the very personal nature of it that you're like, yeah, it works despite this being, you know, I've seen the time loop stuff before, but but they managed to put their own spin on it that makes it unique and work so yeah yeah i if oh go ahead i okay (laughs) stay with me what if russian Mm -hmm. doll in space right okay and then they and then like netflix goes to cancel it but apple tv is like no you don't (laughs) we're gonna pick it up and then there's gonna be like a for all mankind russia space war like wow. Russian dolls. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Whoa. It's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying we don't Did do... you hear that? Did you hear it? There's not enough crossovers Nata- in the modern, modern landscape. Yeah. Cross it over. Cross what were you saying, Amanda? No, I mean, if Apple TV buys it, then they're not going to lose that extra. Like, like Apple TV has, like, nothing but money. They're just, like... Yeah. They're yeah. just... Uh, well, you know, and they're, they're making good, good choices. Like, yeah, they, they are. Yeah. Yeah. What if Netflix, but good? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> The only thing I'll say about season three is while I hope there is a baby or a child's thing, I hope it's like we literally saw her ha- like carrying a baby for two episodes this season. I hope it's not like totally baby, 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 baby. baby heavy. Right. Like, I mean, like, there was a time carry- jump. There was a time jump yeah. between season one and two. So yeah. let's let's time jump past the annoying part. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, no, just I think it would have to be. 
It would have to be or an teenager. older, like an older kid. I think. Like, I, what are the post show recap categories? Oh, of like a large, probably. Maybe like, <laughs> large. Uh-huh. like a medium large. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, because ba- babies are really difficult to handle well in film and television. Like, well, they are literally difficult. But like, here, I mean, I, I am a mother <laughs> on every level. They're yeah. they're difficult on every level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a mother of two. Mine are not babies anymore but ever since i became a parent whenever i watch something with a baby i'm like where's the baby who's taking care of the baby oh somebody needs to be carrying the baby right now like why nobody's fed the baby in 20 minutes like this is completely unrealistic so it like drives me crazy and babies are just a problem which is why so many shows that have small children just like ignore them and use them as props like conveniently and then just like hide the babies like Marvelous Miss Maisel was like, yeah, such a horrible offender of that. It's like, where are these kids ever? <laughs> like, who mm-hmm. is with the kids? So, like, <laughs> I think that in order to do something interesting, and like, I think that it would be really fun to see like Natasha Leone like chatting with an eleven-year-old, like for a bunch <laughs> of like. I think that that would be a hoot. So, I think there's so much more richness you can explore with like an older child who could actually be a character, and we've like seen like young child Nadia you know already so like if we took and we we saw her with her mother around like that 11 12 age so I think if you like gave her a child that was about that age like you could actually um get a lot more richness out of that relationship if the child could be more of a character Mm. I like it yeah I I mean when she in the past, she's going to multiple times. There's a world where, like, you could do some casting thing of like, yeah, you have the 11 year old, but then if she also goes however much in the forward, you can meet, uh, you can meet the adult version of her kid. You know, like, right. I think there's all that. What if she's a grandma? What if we just skip the what whole thing? What if she's well, Ruth? And she's... I mean, not actually Ruth, but like, right. uh, I don't Ruth mean like in Ruth's body, Ruth but like she's somebody? the new Ruth. Yes. Yeah. She's, she's, else. she's Ruthing it. So to Ooh. Speak. Do you think it feels like, all, well, other than like something bad could happen to john uh not alan that kid. Sorry, i know because everybody else in her life feels you know g- g- max lizzie and and alan although i did think alan holding the baby was very cute it was so cute because he asked to and like you know going back to like <laughs> yeah. his his family and him even now in some ways less so in season one but here kind of being like a guardian like yes. of hers of her family it's it's very sweet i do feel like the chosen family theme is like very strong and that like Mm -hmm. if anybody like has a child that it would be like alan taking care of the baby and max like that it would really be like a village thing so there's a lot of room to like see that kind of relationship regardless of whose kid it is you know one thing i picked up on the rewatch ruth rhymes with truth what (laughs) also with booth like train booth oh my gosh you guys all right (laughs) right uncouth I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know about the na- like baby, the meaning of the name lose, Ruth, but lose like, their teeth, so tooth, she has so right? much truth. Like, I know this is probably super silly, but she really does have a lot of truth. You know what? Like, no, her but name this- is Ruth, and she spills the tea. That's why her name is Ruth. Oh. Ruth. <laughs> See, Grace. See, and See? she loves. She actually loves tea. Actually, spells the right. Spill the tea. Drink the tea. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. But stay away from that stove because it's dangerous. Yes. Um, I do just want to call out like the the imaginary uh, PSR at context spot picking up Dr. Amanda's babies are just prob- our problem in general. <laughs> 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 Look, they 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 need to be dealt with. Right, <laughs> there's a lot. To, there's a lot yes, to deal with. They do need to be dealt with. <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah, yeah. 
there anything else about uh season two or season three or a potential season four? Oh no, I, I no. shudder to think. I think I mean, it needs she, to be three. She and said out. that she has like a rough idea of yes. three yes. in mind. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, so my my hope for season three would definitely be that they pull Alan more centrally. It, like I think I could sort of forgive they owe him. Yeah, they owe especially if they pay off some of the things that I think that they didn't give enough room to. Like right. for example, like I mean, like he seemed to be having an experience of being in a female body that was like something that was an awakening for him right. like it would be really interesting to explore that more and right. if like if they do something like that that pays off down the road I feel like that would change the way I looked at season two but I want to see like Alan have more of a central role in a future season agreed Absolutely. I think this season was really successful in making everybody want just more Alan. So, like, maybe I, that was the plan. Like, ah. you know, like I, I don't think I've heard one person say like, "Oh, oh that was too enough. much, too yeah. much Alan." This yeah. season. Um, more. I would like. I would like some more roast chickens. Also, oh, so many chickens. Oh. What do you think? Do, do you think they're trying to make a statement? What What does the chicken mean, Amanda? Chicken, oh, so I don't know. Okay. I um I have a lot of attachment to a roast chicken. <laughs> like one in particular or the concept? <laughs> right. Is it, is it like a mammal? Is it a mammal? It's right here, Grace. I'd like to introduce you. <laughs> and its name is Grace. <laughs> um okay this is something and maybe i'm like if we have other jewish listeners like please let me know if that's what where this comes from but like to me like my like the plight the platonic ideal of like dinner to me is like a roast chicken and like either challah or potatoes and some vegetables it's like that Mm. to me is like the most home thing and like i think like I, i i've said this before if you love somebody, you will roast them a chicken. Unless they're vegan, then don't then don't <laughs> roast them a chicken. But like, I think that like it's like such an act of like home cooking, and like this is like something I'm giving to you. So, I imagine that Natasha Leone feels the exact same way about chickens as I do because like I relate to her very strongly, and she's amazing. <laughs> and like, I think that that's part of what they represent. Like, there's always like Maxine is roasting a chicken for her birthday in season one. That is not enough chicken to feed all the people. Yeah, I know. It's one chicken. Like, that's mm-hmm. like a most like maybe five people can like eat that chicken. I don't know. But so but I love that she's like roasting a chicken. And then like you see like there is she'll go to Ruth's house, takes like a, a like a chicken on the couch. Like, I, the idea of like coming home and getting leftover chicken out of the fridge and like eating it cold at the counter. Like all of this like just is very evocative to me. It's like this is home. This is family. Mm-hmm. This is where you come to be mm-hmm. taken care of. Right. Um, so and then like of course like they do the thing with time like you unroast the chicken you roast the chicken you burn the chicken the chicken's raw um so there's there's that stuff but like i love i love the chicken i love that there was chicken in season two as well as season one and um if anytime i have an opportunity to talk about chicken on a podcast i'm I'm gonna take it well another thing about roasting a chicken is like it doesn't like you can use the bones for broth you can like it's very like resourceful like hearing you talk about it that way i'm like yeah it's like a really generous dish right exactly and it's like and it's i mean also means like it's like home cooking like peasant food too it's like it's like the idea of like in a culture where we're it's like not fine dining we don't have all the money in the world we're not getting like a big roast beef but it's like on a special occasion i'm gonna make this 
delicious thing that doesn't cost that much. And then yeah. like, well, we're going to turn the bones into broth. We're going to like render like, and this is like a very Jewish thing. We'll render the fat from the skin to make schmaltz and then we'll cook. And it's like, it's like really like very resourceful utilizing like yeah. all of the bits. And I remember like when I was in college, I had like a roommate who was Korean and like, she took me home to her parents' house and like, they had like a boiled chicken. I was like, this is all the same stuff. It's like, yeah. it's all, but it's it, it, like, again, this kind of like transgenerational, like the things that we pass down like that, that is roast chicken to me. Mm -hmm. And oh. roast chickens tend to be more well seasoned than other chickens. So I mean, I love a good. Roast there's a reason why Costco yeah. roast the chickens, people, people I like think they're still $5, which is crazy. <laughs> super but affordable those yeah those prices are insane <laughs> <laughs> get crazy eddie on the horn get crazy eddie the chicken on the pod <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. crazy eddie yeah i'm gonna start us. a crazy dr amanda roast chickens. <laughs> <laughs> crazy chicken roast chicken emporium all right my chicken is insane i'm unhinged <laughs> um yeah <laughs> i think that is a perfectly dumb place to end this podcast. Yeah. Uh, is there, Amanda, what else do you have uh, going on around these parts or in general? Well, uh, I am uh, covering the new Apple TV Plus show Shining Girls. Grace and I are joined by uh, the great Dr. Melissa Woodward. Um, and we've already recorded the first three episodes they dropped on Friday and I've been just talking to Grace every single day. I don't know what yeah. I'm going to do tomorrow. It's, when it's I pretty good that up. I can still make Amanda laugh after four days <laughs> of having to bear through I'll wake up tomorrow. I'm like, what am I going to do? Oh. I don't have an appointment to talk to yeah. Grace. Um, uh, what about you, Marissa? Oh, I am covering This Is Us with Jason Reed on Tuesdays. We're covering the last half of season six, which is the finale season of the show. So we're doing that. And then Ariel, I don't know if you know this, but we're doing a thing. Oh my God, is this us? Yeah, no, this, this oh, other, oh, no. This see, other see, this is us. We're covering uh, HBO's The Staircase starting on Ooh, I'm excited for that. Starting right yeah. now. Yeah, no, starting well, Thursday when it comes out. We, you know, I just have to say, we learned how to go downstairs, so I'm confident. <laughs> right. This yeah, if Russian doll told us nothing else, it is to avoid <laughs> stairs at all. <laughs> that's true. So we are well equipped <laughs> to start covering that. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. That's a that's an all star cast. That's good. One. Um, Grace, what about you? Oh, lots of stuff. Winning time. Uh, Ariel, you and I will be chatting about the Wilds. Uh, we we have been chatting about the Wilds, the Ooh, preview yeah. show and season one recap. And so season two comes out this past weekend. Matt Scott and I are chatting about Heartstopper. Such an adorable little oh, show on, on Netflix. So cute. Ariel's going to join us on a podcast coming out soon. I'm um, not crying. <laughs> I know. It's so cute. It's so cute. Uh, movies every week with Ariel and sports over on Rob as a podcast with the Offspeed podcast. So uh, if I missed anything, which I probably did, uh, uh, follow me on Twitter at High From Grace so you don't miss anything. Oh my God. It's so beautiful what you just said. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so it cute. Really no, is it really the is. Cutest it really show. is adorable. It's yes. adorable. It's really well done. Uh, I can't wait to chat about that. Um, movies with Grace, as Grace already said, uh, Pachinko season Ooh. one is over. So my friend Soon and I will be back to discuss the second half of the Renewed season. today for season two, correct? <sighs> Yes, that's what uh, I was gonna say. No, sorry, in all honesty, sorry. I hadn't heard, but I am gonna <laughs> play like I did. What I believe, a wonderful yeah, Apple segue. TV renewed. <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, no, so that's super exciting. The finale of that, and um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else besides staircase. 
I think that's it for now. That's enough. Yeah. Oh, and the wilds, which Grace already said. Yeah. Um, I love how interconnected our pods are. I love like, it. We mm-hmm. can go right. team. I know. Our innies do know each other. Yeah, I know. Well. It's, and us. It's, it's so the start of the month, which means it's a great time yes. to patron of Post Show Recaps. PostShowRecaps.com slash patron or patreon.com slash post show recaps marissa is going to be doing a movie watch along for movie clubs i'm going to interview marissa about her movie takes and then marissa is going to watch moulin rouge with the patrons <gasps> of post show recaps so come to the discord thursday yeah. may 12th at 8 p.m eastern um and all month long uh if you have not listened to the star wars uh, top 10 podcast with josh philly and i i won't spoil the results of the podcast but the results did wind up with josh not doing one movie watch along uh, this month <laughs> not two but three so Every the first three Mondays of the month, um, Josh Wiggler and Philly will be watching some Star Wars movies um, in the Discord. Those are 3 p.m. Eastern on Mondays. And Jason Reed will be watching Howard the Duck on Thursday, May 26th at, at 8 p.m. Eastern. So movie coverage uh, abound in the Discord. Come watch with us. It's going to be fun. Incredible. Yeah, I heard there was more masking around There's, there was full-on superhero costumes for oh, mystery men moulin rouge is not appropriate really for just the costume so i'm just stressing <laughs> that at the moment i will do my best That's, to that i say to that i say kitschy kitschy yeah yeah <laughs> da, da, or whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. okay i think that is it for us here this has been such a pleasure thank you so much Dr. Amanda for coming yes, on. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I guess see y'all for season three if the train ever comes. <laughs> One last time, stand here at the closing door. Bye.